0: You know, on the night, on the last night before Jesus went to the cross, he spent that with his disciples. We know that, don't we? We know that on that night, that last night before Jesus went to the cross, he gave his disciples tremendous encouragement. There's about three chapters in John of encouragement that Jesus gave his disciples. He gave them sustaining promises, like that we would never be alone, that he would be with us. He gave them the most amazing example of humility and leadership as he humbly got down and washed all of their feet. And he gave them a gift. Do you know what gift he gave them on that night? Does anyone know what the gift was? His peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's what we want to look at this morning. It's the gift of the peace of Jesus. You know, when you think about it, there must have been something very special about the peace of Jesus. Let's allow ourselves to just think about that for a few minutes. Imagine the evening when Jesus said these words. He knew that before him was the anguish of the garden, there was going to be the confrontation of the arrest, the degradation and the pain of the torture, the suffering of the cross and the passing of the very threshold of death itself. And yet Jesus was able to say that he was granting to his disciples the gift of his peace. So Jesus must have been someone who those close to him looked at in crisis under pressure and said, how can it be that you are so at peace when everything around you is in absolute turmoil. Oh, I would love to have this peace that you have, Jesus. And when we realise this about Jesus, we would be wise to say as well, "Oh, I would love to have your peace, Jesus, in 2022. Two artists were asked to paint a picture of peace. And one artist set to and he painted a beautiful picture of a young teenage boy sprawled in total relaxation in a boat with his fishing line dangling over the edge on calm blue water under an Asia sky with not a care in the world. A picture of peace. The other artist painted a mother bird at peace, busily feeding her chicks in a nest among the branches of a really tall tree swaying above a rocky valley down which tumbled a roaring waterfall with all churning and water spray around her. The first picture is wonderful for those moments when we get it, isn't it? Those holiday moments we dream of when we have no concerns and where our surroundings grant us our peace, but of course the older we get, harder it is to get those moments when you've got no concerns. I think teenage boys have got it haven't they, teenage boys? You know, you're not a care in the world. Is that right? Well, in summer holidays anyway. The other maybe is a picture of the deeper peace of knowing who you are, whose you are, and how to live at peace in the reality of life with all its winds and its churning waters. And it's this second sort of peace, if it exists, if it really does exist. If, in fact, we were actually made to experience it, to experience what the Jewish writers would call this shalom, it's the peace we need, isn't it? It's the peace for real life. This is the peace that I believe that Jesus alone offers. So as we continue the subject of peace over the next few weeks, our prayer is that each one of us would know the peace of Jesus at the beginning of the year. What an amazing thing it is that God has chosen this series for us at this time. A peace that we're going to hear today can surpass all of our understanding. We know, don't we, that Jesus had the capacity to be at peace in circumstances that would have seemed impossible. Take, for instance, the time, that time when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. Some of them were career fishermen on the Lake of Galilee. They were used to watching the skies for the signs of impending trouble. And they were aware that in the wrong conditions, the power of the wind and the waves on this 164 square kilometre body of water, 50 metres deep in places, this is not you know, that park in the park land, this, the pond in the park lands, this is a big amount of water, that when the conditions were wrong, this could lead to the death of even an experienced man. And as they got to the very end of themselves, losing in their battle against the power of nature that day, they cried out to Jesus, who was, as we know, sleeping at peace in the stern of the boat. And they said, don't you care, Jesus, that we're about to die? Perhaps some of us might want to cry out that to Jesus today. We can empathise with them if we allow ourselves to feel the terror of their moment a feeling echoed in us whenever we find ourselves confronted with something in our lives that we cannot overcome. And we see Jesus stand in that boat and command the wind and the waves to be still, and they were still and there was peace. Who is this Jesus? That he, they said that even the wind and the waves obey him, who can bring peace to the troubled waters. They cried out to Jesus and he brought peace into their lives. We know as well, though, that Jesus didn't just glide through life in some cocoon where he was untouched by our human sufferings, by our feelings, by our responses, like he was at peace because nothing ever touched him like it touches us. We know he felt life exactly like us, exactly, fully like us. We know he cried tears of anguish over the city of Jerusalem as he felt for those people who were on the wrong path. He experienced intense anger that led to dramatic action towards those who oppressed people or were hypocrites or misled people about God. He felt deep, deep compassion for people like the widow who'd lost her son and he wept real tears when Lazarus died and we know it, we know it from the night of this betrayal. When in just a little while he himself would be lying in prayer, prostrate in the garden anguish gripping his soul and the physical manifestation of the feelings, the human feelings of the moment, bringing drops of blood to mix with his sweat as he faced the cross and the bearing of all our sins before a holy God. Jesus felt it all, just like we do, and yet we know as well that in the garden, Jesus' peace was not stolen from him. In the garden, we actually see the way to appropriate the gift of the peace of Jesus, the peace of God, in even the most trying of situations. Lying on the ground in prayer. We don't know all that he prayed, but we know he was bringing everything. He was bringing everything on his mind, everything on his heart, everything he was experiencing to his father. He wasn't going to carry it alone. And we know that it was in the garden that he gave us some of the most beautiful words for how to finally live at peace as God's person in whatever our circumstances through Jesus' trust in the goodness, the power, the promises, and the love of God. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he was carrying all our sin, and there was no reason he should ever be resurrected. But he trusted in the goodness, the power, the promises, and the love of his Father, who said, If you go to the cross, I'll raise you, even if you carry the sins of the world. And he came to the point of saying, As we all have to, yet not my will but yours be done, Father. He showed us in the garden that there is peace to be found sufficient for every situation of life. And that's the peace we need, dear friends, in 2022. When we consider our verse for today, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do you ever wonder why Jesus chose peace, as the gift he would especially leave. I must confess that over the years, as I've thought about it, especially when I was younger, sometimes I've thought maybe maybe a more active gift would be better. Like, why not the gift to bend all circumstances to my will? Wouldn't that have been a better gift? Superheroes are really in at the moment. You'll know that if you've got grandchildren. You know, Spider-Man, sh- You know, there's webs going everywhere. Hulk, uh, Captain America with his shield. We don't have grandsons visit us anymore. We get this whole, you know, Marvel comic book coming to visit us. Everyone's got their own superpower. Why did Jesus not say on that night, I give you the gift that everything is always going to work out the way you want it to? Jesus could have given his disciples many gifts. And indeed, he has empowered his church together with all the gifts we need to see miracles happen and healing happen, to show his glory in this world. But the gift he chose for them that night and for us is this amazing special gift, the gift of his peace. I guess one thing I've realised as I've travelled through life and seen people's lives is that peace is incredibly precious. You can have everything else. There are people with power and money enough to organise their circumstances and control seemingly everything around them so everyone else does what they want. But if they don't have peace in their own heart, they really have nothing. This gift of peace, when we really think about it, is incredibly precious. We should be saying thank you, Jesus, for the gift of your peace. There are two things about this verse that have always intrigued me. Firstly, that Jesus promises the gift of his peace. Not just a gift of peace, of a peace, but the gift of his peace. And secondly, that he was giving it to us in a different way than that in which, as he says, the world gives a gift. What does that mean? And is there a source of encouragement and joy in that for us? Well, firstly, it is his peace that he offers. Let's think about that. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, he says. It's his peace. It is the peace of Jesus Christ. It's not our peace. It's a personal peace not generated by circumstances but generated by the person of Jesus Christ at work in the life of the believer. It's a personal peace not generated by circumstances but generated by the person of Jesus Christ at work in the life of the believer. Secondly, we've just celebrated Christmas, and we've remembered the prophecy that He would be the Prince of Peace. The, the peace of Jesus is a royal peace, a, a royal peace. It's the peace of the King who rules over a kingdom that will never end, that no one can overthrow. It's a peace of certainty and a peace of authority, like they can be found nowhere else. And thirdly, it's the peace of the Son of God. It's a divine peace. It's the peace of God himself. This is an incredibly profound spiritual gift that Jesus promises to his disciples if we allow ourselves to fully consider its value. No wonder the peace of a Christian in the face of difficulties and trials will sometimes make no sense to the world. That's why Paul calls it the peace that passes understanding. Human understanding cannot produce the peace of God and human understanding cannot even really grasp it. It's not human peace. It's God's peace. Don't you want to be one of those Christians that when people look at you, and I've met some people like this, you know, I want to be like this, that in the difficult times, you know, I I can remember like little old ladies who just exude a peace that seems to have come from heaven. Don't you want to be like that? Human understanding can't produce the peace of God, and human understanding can't even really grasp it. It's not human peace, it's God's peace. The peace that exists within the relationships of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the peace from which all other true peace flows. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace. I'm not creating your peace, I'm sharing with you my peace. The peace of God. And nothing and nobody has the power to take it away from you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Therefore, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what does it mean? And we don't completely know. I do not give it as the world gives, but I think it it means at least these three things. It's limitless. Whatever the world can give us is in a measure The gift of God is without limit. Secondly, it's free. It's truly a gift. The world gives with strings attached. We're reminded every Christmas, Jesus gives for free, but Santa Claus wants to know if you've been good or bad. It's free. And it's given to all who call on him, and it's eternal. The world can't give us anything that doesn't have an end date. The peace Jesus gives is going to last forever. It's limitless, it's free, it's forever. That's how Jesus gives, isn't it? Do you agree with me? Now I expect today that some of us may be really experiencing this peace. But many of us, I suspect, are not right now experiencing the fullness, experiencing the fullness of Jesus' peace, even though it exists for us. The world we live in has so many causes for anxiety, for fear, perhaps more for most of us that has happened at any other time in our lifetime. I grew up in the time of uh, the Cold War, and theoretically America and Russia could blow us all up at any minute, but it was all very theoretical. Probably in in my whole lifetime, some older have been through other things, but in my lifetime we're living in the time of the most possibility of fear and anxiety that I've ever experienced. So the world around us gives us so many causes for fear and anxiety. Is there a way to experience more of his peace in my and your life based on Jesus' promise to us of his peace? Well, our Christmas this season was very much through the eyes of our grandchildren that I often talk about. The oldest of five, and so you'd all appreciate that the excitement of Christmas coming and the opening of gifts we've experienced was at that fever pitch that five-year-olds know so well. Often, though, we also know that some of the very best gifts, what happens when a gift is open is that all that excitement is mucked up by the fact that someone has to explain, but before the gift we need uh, can be used, it's got to get out of all that really hard plastic packaging. and Then we find some adults got to put it together. It'll need batteries in it. We'll have to read the instructions, maybe, unless you're a dad, you can always do it without instructions. If it's a game, you might even have to read the rules of the game. There are things to do so the best gifts can be fully experienced. And we have hints in scripture that this gift of Jesus is just like that. In some ways, I wish it were just that on becoming a Christian, we all experienced an incredible and ongoing sense of perfect peace. And there is a sense of underlying peace for us in this way every time we think of him. But there are hints in this last evening of Jesus and in the early church about how in practice we can experience more of the gift of the all-surpassing peace of Jesus. The first hint is in the garden, as we've already seen, where Jesus showed the way to peace was in taking everything in his life to his Father in intimate prayer. The second I'm going to suggest is in Philippians, In that, around that verse where where Paul talks about uh, the, the gift of God of peace being beyond understanding and where Paul really helpfully expands for us in a really practical way this way to know the peace of Jesus. And he reveals how in our real lives as followers of Jesus we can experience and bring to bear the benefits of the peace of God in our daily lives. Isn't that what we need to know? You could describe this, and I don't often preach this way with steps, but you could describe this as Paul's five steps to unpacking the gift of Jesus' peace for our lives. So let's look at Philippians 4, 4 4-9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So let's just look quickly... As, at the, as we wrap up at these five points, one: rejoice in the Lord who is near. and put those two bits together. Rejoice in the Lord who is near. See, from my experience, I want to share with you, the peace of Jesus comes to begin its beautiful work of calming my fears from remembering that whatever else is happening in life or may happen, that underneath are the everlasting arms of God, that's not far away, whatever I go through. Rejoice that we know the Lord. Rejoice that we're not alone. I can remember specifically a terrifying moment I had when I was back in my business days. I had an accounting practice and one day a large client got into a complex legal problem. He was being sued in the federal court and I was called to be cross-examined in a very complex matter. And my little heart was beating like 2,000 beats a minute, you know. This was way beyond my comfort zone, but I went into that day after spending time with the Lord and saying, Lord, I cannot do this alone. I need you to be with me. I need your peace. And he was there with me. I learned the lesson of his peace that day as I said, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you're here. I rely on you. You see, he is with us. He promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. He in all his promises, his power and his presence are our near source of peace. Rejoice in the Lord because he's near. Secondly, this is really practical, stay gentle in your relationships with others. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Stay calm for the Lord is near. If you desire peace in your life, be a peaceful person. (laughs) Be a peace, you be the peacemaker, be the one who is bringing peace. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Thirdly, and this is the hard one for us, do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> now, whenever we see these instructions, you know, many times as Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said, do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. You'll find it back in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy and Joshua and these places, God telling us not to be anxious. Do not be afraid. Don't think, don't ever think, oh, I'm a failure because I'm anxious when I shouldn't be. Jesus, God, knows absolutely that we will become anxious and afraid. That's why he teaches into this area. That's why he speaks into this area of life. So see it not as a sign of failure that we're anxious or afraid, but a sign of his love that he comes to us to move us in a direction, away from anxiety and fear to a position of trust and peace. The position he desires for our lives. It says, do not be anxious, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. It is impossible to never be anxious, but there's a turning around in this key point of unpacking the gift of Jesus' peace. Turn your anxiety into prayer. Bring everything to God, just as Jesus did in the garden. Come to him with thanksgiving. Start by thanking him so that your prayers begin to realise there are still truths in your life, your life greater than any circumstances or situation. The good things are still good. Sometimes our worries crowd out everything else. Instead, thank him for every good thing and ask him for every need. Bring your request to God. Let there be nothing that is worrying you, nothing that's stealing your peace that's not on the table between you and God. The Bible promises that this is a good way to go. And when you do this, Paul tells us that God's peace begins to crowd out anxiety in our life. In fact, the words, the peace of God will guard your hearts, refers to a military guard and literally means that as we come to God in this way, his peace will commence to stand guard and watch over your mind, watch over your heart, fighting back for you and defending against all the destructive effects of anxiety and fear. His peace doesn't always mean the situation will resolve. Often it does, but sometimes it doesn't. But whatever happens, you're now going through it with God. And as his peace arises within us, the need to be troubled or afraid melts away. And friends, if you, if you pray like that and you still feel anxious, don't be anxious about that. Just know that his peace, his shalom, his fullness, his protection is there, even when we don't feel it. Know that underneath you are still the everlasting arms of God. Underneath you today are the everlasting arms of God, who gathers you in like a chicken under his wings and says, I'll never let you go. Fourthly, this is really practical, focus on what is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. What a list. Think about these things, Paul says. So in conjunction with bringing everything to God, allow your mind and soul to drink in everything that is good in life. Walk on the beach. Walk in a garden or a park with someone. Look at beauty. Listen to beauty. Focus on and seek the increase of what is good in life for your soul. Live healthy. Breathe deeply. Remember every good thing that there is. The good God, the good creator of every good thing. He's still your Father in heaven. And lastly, Paul says, whatever you've heard or seen or been taught in your Christian discipleship, put it into practice. You know, maybe this is the year for us to really do that. To put into practice everything we have heard or seen or been taught in our Christian discipleship. To draw deeply from the strength of each other, from our Christian brothers and sisters. And all we've been taught by those who've gone before us that we might encourage and teach each other to live in the peace of Jesus and to show his peace to our families, our neighbours, to a world in need of seeing how special is the gift of the peace of Jesus. And the peace of God, the peace that transcends all understanding, it'll guard our hearts, it'll guard our minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a way to face the fears of our time through our faith in and wonder at an experience of Jesus. Maybe this year is a year, difficult as it may be in many ways, for our faith and our experience of Jesus with us in his peace to grow to new and deeper levels as we experience, not the anxieties of life overwhelming us, not the short-lived peace the world offers, but the gift, the spiritual gift of peace in this life that Jesus freely gives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this precious time of gathering together as brothers and sisters and singing and worshipping, encouraging one another just by our presence, the smiles in our eyes. And we think of every good thing that we have from you. And we thank you for your gift of peace today. And we pray together this prayer that you, Father, gave to us way back in, in the, right in the beginning in Deuteronomy when you instructed the priest to pray this over your people. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you and may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favour and may the Lord give you his peace. Amen.